Mates, welcome back to the top step. It's Ryan Roland Smith. We have got a Mariners Monday edition for you. We're going to dive into everything I've seen, uh, go back and, and talk about what I predicted in spring training and what I've seen from certain players. Got a lot of questions on social media. Uh, I'm going to try and get to all of those questions too. I'm going to roll down. I'm going to try and get to all the questions. A lot of good ones in there. A lot of good ones. Uh, a lot of the stuff I was going to talk about anyway, to be honest with you, with what concern, what I have concerns with the team and everything else, what I've seen, especially lately, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Before we get into that, if you're new to the show, this is how it works. Every Monday, I do a Mariners episode because we have so many Mariner listeners uh, who follow the team and follow the show. Uh, so we dive pretty heavily. I do breakdowns on, on a Monday. Uh, later on the week, Grant Balfour joins me. We have a lot of laughs, right? If you don't know who Grant Balfour is, go look him up. Crazy dude, 10 years in the big leagues, uh, MLB All-Star, one of my best mates. Uh, and we go around the league, we tell stories, like I said, have a ton of good laughs. So make sure you uh, click subscribe, add this podcast to your rotation. All right, we've got a lot to get to. This team is hovering around 500. I want to get to that, why why that is. Jerry DePoto's comments, Scott Service comments, what happens in those team meetings. We're going to get to all that right here on the top step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. The breaking ball, he struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. This is Grant Balfour being Grant Balfour. Yeah. He, he is, as you mentioned, Jim, he's amped up. He talks a lot. In fact, he has the demeanor of a guy that wants to fight you. You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Kill all right let's get into it now before we do i just want to give a big shout out to our official sponsor that's manscape listen i have a question what is more american than a bald eagle the fourth of july is almost here and that means a couple of things barbecues pool par pool parties and last but not least mullets all right, the trimmer is designed for below the belt, but has been known to carve out exquisite 4th of July mullets as well. Listen, I don't want you guys taking photos and sending it to me um, on social media. You just just take my word for it. These things are awesome. If you go to manscaped.com, put the code in TTS, you can get yourself a nose trimmer. You can get yourself one of these, get your neck hair, get your beard for all you fellas who got the beard, whatever it may, it may be. So go to manscaped.com, put the code in TTS, you get 20% off and free shipping. Go to manscaped.com, TTS, hook yourself up. And by the way, you're supporting the show when you do that. We appreciate all the listeners uh, for all your support uh, as we've gotten to this point. All right, let's get into this episode. We've got a lot to get to, and this is how I'm going to kick it off. A lot of questions, like a lot of questions on um, on social media last night, um, things that, that people wanted me to cover as we get going. So I'm going to dive into this. We're going to do... Um, we're going to go, I'm going to go down the list of questions, and this is basically going to sort of steer me in directions of the show as well. So first one, the first question I'm going to go into, all right, what, oh, no, that's a big one. I'm going to say that one to the end, so I'm just looking, guys. Okay. All right. Why the team is underperforming. Now, this is from Kevin Kerpinski at Amber underscore Kevin. What's up, Amber? What's up, Kevin? It looks like you guys have a shared uh, Twitter account. I like that. Nice. Uh, why the team is underperforming from last year. Most of the personal, most of the personnel, personnel is the same. 
Uh, is the defensive fielding percentage lower than last year? All right, so let's compare it to last year, right? So let, let's look at, I want to go over some numbers. Now, the obvious question, you, uh, sorry, the obvious answer could be the offense because there were some times where they lost a ton of ground um, with their record and ton of ground in the division early on in the year and especially lately too. But let, let's compare some of these other numbers that you don't really sort of think about. So average, 230, right? Last year, they hit 230. They're 27th. Last year, they were 28th in the league. On-base percentage. Uh, this is a big one for me. I'm going to talk more about the on-base stuff later on. But they're 309 this year, 315 last year. Now, these numbers may not seem that crazy, but when you're talking about a whole team, they're quite large because you've got a huge, huge sample size. So like, you know, one um, percentage point or whatever it may be, um, it actually says a lot. Uh, slugging, this is a big one. All right, 387, uh, 390 last year. I know that seems like it's crazy, but they were 17th last year. They're 25th this year. Now, I'm going league-wide, right? So when I'm saying 25th and 17th, obviously, that's their ranking in Major League Baseball. Uh, the walk rate, 9%, 9.7. They're up in the top 10. That's okay. Strikeout rate, we've all heard about that. They're 29th with 25.8% strikeout rate. Last year, they're 17th percent. Uh, let's, let's keep going down this list, though. Um, a couple that stand out to me, and I'm going to get into some of the things offensively I've seen, and then something else you may not have thought about here in one second. So, when you walk down this list, and I'm, I'm just skimming through a couple of them, I should maybe take a screenshot of this big list of uh, all the like underneath, not not the some more of the uh, performance numbers. All right, so average against fastballs, they're about the same. Actually, they're a little bit better this year. Uh, average versus 95 mile per hour fastballs. There, that's where they that that's where there's a big differentiator. La, this year they're 226. Last year they could handle pitches. Last year they're 250. Uh, 245 last year. Excuse me. Average versus breaking ball. They're 29th. They're 20th last year. So they hit 193 against breaking balls. Average versus off speed. They're hitting 219. Last year, they struggled against breaking balls as well. So you're looking at these numbers, you're like, hmm, they're not that far off from what we saw from last year. But here are a couple of the big ones. Chase percentage, contact percentage. Chase percentage, they're 32.2%. That's 18th this year. Last year, they were 29.3% on the chase. That's two. That that's ranked number two. So last year they made a ton of contact, as well as way better on base percentage. Right, just to give you an idea, the the leader. Just to give you an idea of some of the numbers to show how much one percentage point can change. So the leaders is Cincinnati and Chase, and that's twenty eight percent. So last year, you think about this, Cincinnati's twenty eight point two. Last year they were twenty nine percent. So like they were way up there, right? That's a little bit of a differentiator. And when you're talking about chasing pitches that in turn helps some of these grinding at bats and better at bats and, 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 and better, better focus, as we're going to talk about a little bit later, as Scott Service has mentioned. Contact, all right, so the league leader in uh, 2020, in 20, where are we? In 2023 is Washington for contact. That's 78%. The Mariners were 75% last year. This year, they're 71%. So you see some of these numbers, right? There's a slippage there of contact, chase. Chase, we, we know about where you've seen guys like Julio Rodriguez. You've seen Gino Suarez, that pitch above the strike zone. You've seen, obviously, Teoscar Hernandez early on. That's changed a little bit. Cal Raleigh, the strikeout numbers were through the roof. He's kind of he's simmered that down. 
That's where that chase percent comes in. That's where those at-bats, that's where that big at-bat late in a game can really affect you. Chase percentage, obviously it's going to be higher as the game goes on, guys, because you're facing a reliever who's just trying to wipe you out and get you to chase. A starting pitcher isn't going to do that as much early in the game. The contact, again, the contact is a big concern for me. 71.7, that's the trailer. Like That's only Minnesota's the last in the big leagues. They're 70.7. The Mariners are the second worst contact. Again, you're talking about these one-run games and how they've been on the losing end this year, as opposed to the last few last two years being on the on the the, uh, the good end of it. Well, that contact percentage uh, is a big one. All right, let's look at the pitching. Now, I know the pitching has been rock solid. We talk about how good the starting pitching is, and it's great. Okay, it's awesome, and the fact that you can have um, two of your your starting pitchers go down with injuries when you're talking about. Um, with Robbie Ray right at the beginning of the year. Remember him? <laughs> he went down. That's a huge loss because, dude, I'm telling you, he was going to have a good year this year. I could see it. Uh, and then you lose Marco Gonzalez. But then you you supplement, uh, and this is what's kind of nice, when you supplement uh, a Bryce Miller and, and a Brian Wu. But let's the starting pitching has been good, okay? But it was good last year too. So they're seventh, starting ERA, they're seventh in the big leagues, okay? Bullpen ERA, they're 12th. Now, when you go to the month, now, I know there's been some blown out scores, but there are some other numbers with blown saves and everything else. When you look at lately, more so lately in the month of June, the bullpen has, um, I th- I've got to have take a look. I had it up here just two seconds ago. But the bullpen's got a five plus in the last 25 games. Really struggling, right? And and I think that, and, and someone asked me about Andres Munoz. We're going to get to him in a minute. Um, that's where I think if if they're going to be legit here coming into out of this from this trade deadline and, and moving on to the last couple of months of the season, they're going to have to. I hate to say it, they're going to have to get some bullpen help. I know it sounds super boring, um, and it takes away from your priorities, and you have to give up something for it. But they're going to have to um, make a make a move. They're going to have to add to the bullpen, maybe even two 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 guys. Um, because here's why, man. Look, there's some some dudes who. Um, have come up uh, from AAA and filled a really nice role. But Gabe Spire, he's starting to trend in the wrong direction a little bit. You've got uh, Tyler uh, Saucedo, who um, I'm hoping is going to come in the show. He's been great. He made some really good pitches the other day. But when you're talking about those last couple months, when you're talking about that seventh, eighth, ninth inning, Matt Brash has been a little inconsistent. I know he looked, he, he got out of um, got out of the inning just the other day. Or was it yesterday? Um, but you need consistency. You need just straight that Paul Seawold's type of consistency where you just can really rely heavily on these guys, rely on the fact that they can bounce back the next day. Every time at four o'clock you have that conversation, hey, you good to go? Yep, I'm good, whatever it may be, right? Um, and you've really got to know what you're dealing with every time you call on their name. Um, so that that's the biggest one. So look at the bullpen area. So they've slipped back into 12th, okay? Um, a couple other things that stick out to me on the pitching side. Let's have a look. You've got the... Uh, they got they're getting way more ground balls. Last year they really struggled. The ball was getting the air. They're they're forty four percent ground balls are forty percent last year. Um, you know, strike it. Don't get me wrong. The pitching is good. The bullpen though is a little. There's just too much inconsistency. If they're going to play these tight games, and they're not going to have those um, the, those big innings late late in games, etc. Okay, so just rolling through that. So just to kind of compare and, and just to get to that first uh, question. Um, and this is from Kevin Kapinski again. Just back to your question: Why is the team underperforming? Bullpen hasn't been as rock solid. Number one, that, that that's a big one. Uh, the the 
It's been inconsistent. I'll say that. Obviously, the strikeouts in, in in that month of when you got out April May, you looked around like, wow, like this is not what we we're expecting. A lot of strikeouts, not a whole lot of chase. So hopefully that that uh, answers you, answers your question. All right, Mariners Geek at Baseball Geek seventy two. What's up, Mariners Geek? I'm a bit of a geek myself. Did Carlos Santana impact culture leadership last year? Absolutely, one hundred percent. What was Service really saying when talking about Julio yesterday? Oh, that's a good question. I was on the post game. And uh, what were the comments he made? Oh, man, someone's got to help me out. I'm blanking because there's like the last second. I don't know if you were listening to the post game, but Shannon Dreyer and I, Shannon Dreyer and I looked at each other. I was like, hold on, what? What was that? This is on Saturday, actually. This is on, on the Saturday. Um, he's basically saying, that's right. He was talking about Julio being open-minded to make adjustments. I don't think it was anything crazy to think about. Basically, I wish I could pull the audio up. Basically, what he said was... Um, you know, he was talking about Julio Rodriguez, who, by the way, is starting to heat up. I'm telling you, he's going. I think coming out of that All Star break, he's going to be red hot. I believe. But uh, I'll get to the Carlos Santana part in a second. But he basically said, um, he said that Julio, look, there's some adjustments, but he has to be open minded to it. In other words, the, kind of the the I know we just kind of speculating here, um, Mariners geek. <laughs> I think what he was kind of saying was like, you know. There's going to be some big adjustments approach-wise, especially maybe swing as well. We talk about how many ground balls that Julio hits at times where he's catching balls out in front and all of a sudden the attack angle changes uh, on his swing. But I think he's basically saying like, okay, Julio has not really been, because he's only a rookie, right? He's never been through a stretch here where he's had some really, really tough uh, moments where he's just been, hasn't been able to get out of it like we've kind of seen in his rookie year, right? Like last year, if you remember, the umpire early on, the umpire was squeezing him, or not squeezing him, but just calling everything a strike, and he handled that so well. And uh, and then he went through a couple, but but whatever it was, he kind of like he's a, he's way of getting out of it was kind of being more patient and letting the game come to him without sounding super corny or cliche. Now it's like he's in this mode where he's pressing, pressing, pressing. So I think that what he, what Scott Service is saying, if he's got a hitting coach or, or whoever it may be, say, so, all right, Julio, sit down with us. We want to go over this. You want to make sure that that player, because I've seen this before, who's had some success in the big leagues, doesn't sit there and just kind of wave it off like, yeah, whatever. This is what I do well. He's got to be open-minded to it. That's, that's kind of what he was saying. So... Um, that's if he was really saying that. I wouldn't read too much into it at this point. I think it's more about maybe there was an instance where Julio's like, "Yeah, I'm not doing that." <laughs> right? I'm, again, man, I've seen that. I've said that to coaches too. I've said to pitching coaches, man. I've said, "Yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, I'm I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing." Um, you know, good or bad, whatever. Now, did Carlos Santana impact cult, culture leadership? Yeah, he did. You know why? Because, uh, and again, man, I. I sound like a friggin' broke. It sounds so boring and no one wants to hear this stuff. Carlos Santana hit like 200 and he came in and you kept hearing everyone say, oh, Carlos Santana, this, that, and the other. It's not like he has to go out and, and start like high-fiving everyone in the dugout and woo, like waving pom-poms in the third inning. It's just those little conversations. You talk about, okay, and, and just to tie this into what Scott Service said with Julio. For example, someone like Carlos Santana, Julio Rodriguez is struggling, young player, but Carlos has enough clout enough respect and he backs himself enough even if he's hitting 200 to walk over to julio and say come here dude listen 
and have that one little conversation there. Julio kind of looks up to a guy like Carlos Santana or Teoscar Hernandez or one of these guys, looks up to him and is going to respect and value their opinion. And Carlos Santana may say, hey, listen, when you go have that meeting with Tony Arnrich or whatever, I'm just using that as an example, or Scott Service or whatever it is, you've got to, you, you've got to take it like this. And you can just use his. He can use the words, whatever it is, to change kind of the 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 direction of what some of these young players go. That's what a guy like Carlos Santana does, right? Walks in and he's like, "Hey, what's like?" Doesn't like I said, doesn't have to be upbeat all the time, whatever. But can just change a clubhouse. Change. A cl- I talked about this early in the year. Remember Taylor Trammell? Taylor Trammell came in to they're in Toronto and they're struggling. I think they were two games down in that series. Taylor Trammell came in. Now Taylor Trammell is not a veteran. He's not Carlos Santana. But he comes in and the guy, you just see a, a dude who's like super excited to be back in the big leagues. And they have a certain energy about him. Whether or not, like if you're a veteran player, you're looking like, whatever, you think he's annoying or or like, yeah, or whatever because everything, because the, the energy's low. The energy in the clubhouse is massive. I can't, I can't say that enough. So a guy like Taylor Trammell walks in. And he's got this upbeat, hey, what's up? He's, he's saying hi to everyone. It's just nice. It's kind of nice. Like, because you look at that and go, oh, yeah, okay. Like, this is what it's supposed to be. Like, you kind of look at that and, and, and subconsciously you're like, oh, okay, that's that kind of energy that if I'm in the freaking big leagues, that's what I should have. It sounds crazy. I know. And I get it. He hit a grand slam in his first AB or whatever. He hit a bomb, whatever. But I'm just using that as a small example. Now, when you have a guy like Carlos Santana like that, it just kind of does that more often, more often, more often, and reinforces kind of like that that vibe you should have with the glasses half full walking into a clubhouse. So Mariners Geek, good question. Hopefully that explains it. All right. Um, okay. Where's the next one? Uh, okay. Ryan Turner, Turns 44. What's up? At Turns 44. You've asked questions before, mate. I appreciate you listening and, and continuing to be a loyal listener and be a part of the, the next-gen family. The next gen family. What am I saying? The top step family. Okay, you're around the team. Is by the way, next gen baseball. Get a next gen nxtgenbaseball.com. You'll see what I'm talking about. That's my baseball business. Okay, you're around the team as much um, as any non-team personnel. What kind of off the field differences do you notice between 22 and 23? Uh, what kind of lessons can your playing experience help in identifying the positives and negatives? Okay, so great question. Um, that's hard, man, because as, okay, yes, I'm around the team more often, uh, than a lot of people, I get it, but unless you're on that <coughs> team bus, unless you're sitting in the player section on the plane, unless you're in there when the media is not in there to really get a good sense, uh, I'm going to give a couple of examples in a second, but it's really, really difficult. Okay, and again, I don't want to throw any teammates under the bus that were not good teammates or anything like that, but it's really hard. And this is why, you know, when I hear people talk about the clubhouse chemistry that's never been on a team, I take it with a grain of salt because unless you're in there when the doors are shut, you don't really get a good vibe. Unless you have those conversations, like I said, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus with certain teammates or how they feel about other teammates or coaches or whatever it may be, but. As far as okay, with with identifying the positives and negatives. So, man, this it comes down to who is kind of steering the ship when it comes to the the vibe of that that clubhouse. I I, I can't express this enough. If you have a manager that's able to do that and is able to do it really well, communicate it really well, be you know in uh, communicate, be transparent with a team. 
okay, great. They kind of steer that, and then they kind of appoint just a couple veteran dudes to do it. The hard thing is with this team, the two veteran players are not playing every day, and they're not performing. AJ Pollock, Colton Wong, you're like, well, those two guys. Guess what, guys? They're the most senior players on the team, If whether you like it or not. Teoscar Hernandez, sure. But I'm talking about the most senior players on your team have a huge impact regardless of their role on the team on the field. So when you've got a guy like AJ Pollock who's sitting there, he's probably frustrated with himself, right? I spoke to him the other day and he, he seemed a little down, frustrated. Colton Wong, who doesn't feel like it's his place to tell other players what to do or have any kind of energy because he, he feels like he's underperforming. So, and that's kind of what Colton Wong was kind of coming in to, to have some of that. I mean, the dude's had like nine years. He's been with the Cardinals, Brewers, on playoff teams, et cetera. Let's not forget that. So, when you have veteran players, now I had veterans. The positives, I had veterans like Mike Sweeney, Ken Griffey Jr., um, who were great. They were great. They just set the tone. They had, it was so much fun being around them. And they called you out, and they were transparent. Mike Sweeney would talk to everyone. Everyone. You might have a week in the big leagues. He'll talk to you. He just made you feel like you belong. It's a nice, it's, it was awesome. Made you feel like you were important. You were a really, really important part of this team, no matter if you had a week or, or 10 years in the big leagues. Ken Griffey Jr. had just had that, this is what it's supposed to be like. And young players rub off that like, oh, okay, that's how a veteran acts. That's how I should act, right? Because it's amazing, man. On the flip side, I've had dudes who, veterans, guys who've been around the, the baseball for a long time, act in certain ways. So young players look at that and go, oh, that's how you're supposed to act as a major league player, right? Whatever the characteristics are. And so I think the hard thing with the Mariners right now, I think, they're really trying to find their identity. They're really trying to find what it is. They had that players-only meeting the other day. And I'm going to talk about that in a second, I promise. But they basically, the, the two veteran players, it's hard, man, because they're not performing and they're not, they're not playing as much as they want. So like they're kind of, they don't have, feel like they have the, the, the space to get up and talk or whatever. Um, Gino Suarez has, has got to be a big part of that. He's, he's super outspoken and he's a good dude everything else but i've got to say man they're in a situation they're hovering around 500 like look at this last series man they went they nationals was just the rock bottom it was bad it was it was uh, the first question i got asked from stacy ross at 11 a.m last thursday was should the team fire scott service to all of a sudden having a big opportunity with luis castillo on the man come coming back yesterday winning a game beaten uh, winning two or three from the best team in baseball but guess what they're back at 500 like three and three on that 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 home series, three three wins, three losses after all that roller coaster. So to pull away from 500, they obviously have to do it consistently. But when I'm a Thai France, when I'm a Cal Raleigh or whoever it is, I have to walk up there and say, you know what? I'm not looking at this like this is doom and gloom. I need to get started now. You're looking at it going, man, you know what? I've got a really good group of guys around me. We've got a whole second half to go. I'm listening to this coach. I like this manager. I, you know, I, I love where I'm at. This road trip's going to be a blast. I'm going to go hang out, maybe have a beer or a coffee or something with so-and-so. Those kind of things, that's where veteran players come in. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, that, that's a big part of it. All right, Ryan, I hope that that helps. Okay, JD Dalton uh, at JSAR240. What, uh, what, what can we do to get more on-base percentage, guys? How do we get the current players uh, or, or how do we get the current players on more? So uh, you mean on, on base more? I get it. You know what? The, the, I go back to spring training, right? You bring in Colton Wong. Now, remember, Colton Wong was supposed to be every day, every day player. 
um, you know, mid like just below the the meat of the lineup. He's supposed to hit seventh. He's going to play two hundred. Uh, play second base. He struggled. You've got Tiosca Hernandez, who is going to be an everyday player. Okay, so you've got these two guys you're bringing in. Now they're your big add-ons. Last year, you talk about on-base percentage, and I talked about that in the beginning. On-base has been an issue. Really has. Our bats have not been the same. They've been overwhelmed. I showed you some of those numbers, and there's a little bit where they're getting overwhelmed by really good pitching. You notice how they know they, they can handle you know, average pitching, really good pitching, that's been a struggle. So the on-base aspect of things, you bring two guys in, your philosophy is about these long at-bats, pitches per plate appearance, et cetera. We saw plenty of that last year. You know, what J.P. Crawford does, that, that approach. Then you bring in two guys. Uh, obviously, Colton Wong has struggled, so he's going to press more. He has not seen a whole lot of pitches per plate per plate appearance. To Oscar Hernandez, that's not his approach. So all of a sudden, you've got like two of your nine guys who are brand new, who are kind of pulling away from that philosophy, and you're like, oh, okay, where are we at? And then all of a sudden... You, the strikeout numbers with Tioska go through the roof in April. Then Cal Raleigh right behind him, strikeout numbers, because guess what? As a pitcher, you're like, oh, man, I'm getting some swings here. I'm going to start getting out of the strike zone. And it's a bit of a snowball effect. So I've seen a little bit of that, right? So I think that as far as the on-base, Julio Rodriguez has to start at the top of the lineup, or second or whatever he's hitting, has to see more pitches. He has to let the, quote unquote, let the cliche, let the game come to me. Um, that's important. Gino Suarez has got to do a better job, better at bats. Uh, he's been underperforming compared to what we saw last year, but he looked a little bit better this homestand, I will say. Teoscar Hernandez is starting to heat up. He had a massive month of June. So the trend is in the right direction. It's about having those big bats in the middle that are scary. I'm talking from a pitcher standpoint that I cannot let beat me. Therefore, I have to attack more of these other hitters around him. When Teoscar Hernandez is just a straight swing and miss, see you later, all right, sweet, I can just get you to chase, whatever. It affects the entire lineup, I'm telling you right now. It will start to change because him and Cal are starting to have better at-bats. Hopefully that explains it. Um, what batter do you expect to have a big second half by Simon Pope, Simon the Pope? What's up, at Simon the Pope? Nice eye. What's that red eyes on your Twitter profile? That's scary, dude. Uh, what bat did you expect? Okay. Um, Julio's going to go off in the second half. I'm just telling you. I mean, that's just a dumb, that's a slam dunk answer. It's easy. Julio's going to go off. Gino's going to have a big second half, just like he did last year. Gino at this point last year, or a little bit earlier, was struggling. I think he's going to go off too. Gino's going to go off second half. What about Tom Murphy, by the way? Crushing the ball. I love it. Okay. Um, okay. Austin at underscore Austin. Uh, is it lame that they don't have many all-stars when they're hosting it, or does that not matter? Okay, all right. So this one, <laughs> it's a good question, man, because I said this. This is the hard thing. They have the All-Star game. You're coming off your break. <laughs> I'm glad you asked this. Is it lame? It's a little bit lame, yes. I'm going to say it's a, it's kind of lame. They've got one All-Star. You're supposed to see Julio in there. You're supposed to see like, um, you know, maybe a Thai France like that, that, that you know, like we did we saw last year, you know, um, George Kirby or Logan Gilbert along with Luis Castillo. You're supposed to see like five. Five All-Stars when your team's hosting it. And they're coming off a massive year last year. They're supposed to be better. They're supposed to be, you know, better wins and, and everything else. And they're hovering around 500 with the Texas Rangers just dominating this, the the division. So all of a sudden, you're sitting there going, man, yes, I think it's lame. I, I really do. I know Julio's in the home run derby. That's awesome. But you want to see like friggin' five dudes, man. It's a bit of a bummer. It really is. It's bumming me out. Um, yes. And does it matter? It does matter. I'm telling you right now, because everyone feels it around here. I'm telling you, your MLB coming to, 
you got MLB coming to uh, to Seattle to take over the whole place with your, your, your buildings getting taken over, by the way. That's how it works. Your building gets absolutely taken over. And uh, and by the way, hey, speaking of, make sure you tune in to the high school All-American game. I'll be in the booth for that, talking about these young prospects. I'll talk about what it's like to be a 16, 17-year-old trying to make it um, in that game. But no, it's, um, yeah, no, super lame. I've got to say, it is lame. It sucks. Um, okay, Christina Watergate. At vampire underscore IRL vampire. Right. Talk about talk about Mooney. His four seamer isn't topping as hot, as fast as it was before. Uh, he was hurt. Does he have any? Do we have any insight in his recovery process? How Scott is using him in games? I'd like. It's a great question, Christina. One of the biggest things the Mariners will need to get is bullpen help, and Andres uh, Munoz is a big reason for that. Here's why. He comes out beginning of the season. Let's not forget. Munoz has really not had a full six months of just domination. Okay, last year he did, but the, the way they were using him wasn't the same amount of volume. They weren't just like leaning heavily in the eighth inning. He was slipped down the in the bullpen a little bit, so he had more days off, uh, less leverage situations. At the end of the year, they just wore him out, and for good reason. He's filthy. We all know there's 101 with a good slider. Lately, he comes back from the the IL, and I was kind of surprised because there's a couple back to back days. And there was an inning and a third. The other day he came out. Did you notice he came out, finished the inning off, sat down, then he came back out. And I had a friend text me saying, hey, does Munoz come back out here? And I said, no, no I wouldn't because he's coming off that the pretty significant arm injury. And here he is. He, he goes to the dugout. And the worst is when you go in the dugout, I've been there before, mentally you checked out. Mentally like, I'm done. Like, I'm not pitching. I see the bullpen starting to crank up. Happened to me in Toronto once. I pitched a great game. I gave up a run in seven innings. I think I'm done. My pitch count's like hovering around 100. Come in, and the manager's like, and I'm pissed off because I gave up a run because I was dealing. And the manager's like, hey, you good to go back out for the eighth? I'm like, oh, okay. And mentally, I was already checked out. And that sounds crazy. I went out the eighth and just gave it up. I gave up like, I think I loaded the bases, none out. And then Miguel Batista came in, the double <laughs> run scored because he mentally checked out. He looked mentally checked out. Now, his velocity is down. I think he's not 100%. I'm not saying he's going to be injured, but either he's working through it where his arm's going to feel amazing in two weeks or you're going to see where it's like 96s, 97s, and he's starting to run out of gas, and that's a, that's an issue. So, Christina Watergate, I, I appreciate your question. It's, it's a good one. It is a little concerning, and the way they're using him as well, they're, they're throwing him straight into the – and this is what I'm talking about with the bullpen. They they don't have the same depth, therefore they're going to lean on him way heavier – um, he's going to pitch more, so hopefully he can get out of this. I think he's averaging right now like 96s, 97s, 98s, where he was averaging 100 at the beginning of the year before he got injured. So really, really good question. Um, okay, Wayne. Okay, I'm still going here with these questions. How long? Are we, oh, we're going for 30 minutes. We keep going. Okay, uh, Wayne, uh, Abby Sports Fan, uh, Abby Sports Fan, Wayne Dahl. Talk, talk more about player-only meetings, the good and the bad and the ugly. Okay, so the player-only meetings. All right. I've been in plenty of them. Usually you have the team meeting where your manager comes out. But the good, it's good because you can look at each other in the eye and you can air dirty laundry, right? So if you do have a problem or if you're upset with something, let's not forget, man. I know they sound like children. They're like, oh, but you said this about me. It's not that. You spend so much time together. Like you're literally in each other's back pockets every day. So it's important to look each other in the eye and, and people speak up where we're going, what we're doing. The bad and the ugly... The bad is when the bad is when it's just not productive. It's like, hey guys, um, yeah, we're we're gonna do because here's the deal: you have a team only, a player only meeting. You sit in, you're in street clothes, <coughs> whatever. You know, it's a big deal. 
you go in, you've just got one guy just saying, hey, look, guys, we've got to pick it up. We suck. This is bullshit. Hey, uh, uh, you know, offense, you've got to do better. And you leave there like, oh, okay, let's go get them. You're like, oh, man, I was really hoping this team meeting will change some of the, the vibe in the clubhouse. And it's, I've been in those. They suck, man. I remember Carlos Silva was like, who had a six ERA, was like throwing the offense under the butt. He goes, hey, you guys got to pick it up. What are you doing? You know, but I'm, I'm sitting there going, dude, really? Come on. Don't do that. That's just that's unproductive. Um, but the good is, like I said, if you can walk out of there and everyone kind of speaks and you got some veteran players and, and you hear some different things, it's it's good. The ugly is when you go into that when you start creating this separation in this um, this severance from a front office or a coaching staff. Remember a couple of years ago, Kendall Graveman got got traded. Players were not happy. They were, they were upset with the team because they were right. They they felt like they were right in it. And the Mariners kind of gave up and said, you know what, now nah, we're just going to trade away Kendall Graveman and get a guy like Abraham Toro, if you remember that. <laughs> well, that was ugly because what happens is the team's pissed off. They're publicly saying, oh, I can't believe it. The front office never really addressed it, addressed why they did it to the team. Like not to, not to us, I'm saying to the team. And so they're walking around going, what the hell? So at those team meetings, if you're sitting in that team meeting and you start – and, and by the way, let's not forget, you've got Jerry DePoto publicly saying, oh, the team's distracted. I, don't quite, I still don't quite know what he meant by that. You're saying, you know, you've got Scott Service saying lack of focus. See, hearing these comments, if the teams, if the team, the players can't try and band together and be like, oh, hey, don't listen to that stuff. It's just us in here. That's not good. That is not good. It's got to be a collaborator. It's got to be everyone. Front office, coaching staff. You've got to respect your coaching staff, your manager. Otherwise, it's just a bad slippery slope. It is not good. So that's the ugly. I don't think it was like that. I hope so. But that's where, and I've been in those ones too before, where all of a sudden the players start sort of resisting against, you know, the the, the manager or the coaching staff, or whatever, and becomes this big sort of segregation. And it sucks when it's like that. I'm telling you right now. Um, Okay, um, let's have a look here. What else we got? Um, God, I think I've gone through quite a few of these. Uh, the best flavors of Washington apples ranked. Zach, Zach at Zach Left. Dude, someone answered this for you, and I'm just going to go with them. I'm not I – lo- I love apples. In Australia, like – no, I won't say that. Uh, Washington has good apples. When they're really soggy and grainy, can't stand them. I don't know what happens with that. Um, it's so funny, mate. We're out near Wenatchee and coming from Mission Ridge, skiing with the, the, the kids. And the kid's like, oh, what are all those? I'm like, oh, they're apple trees. And my kids start peppering me with apple questions. And I'm just trying to – I'm basically talking out of my ass. I had no idea what I was talking about. Um, and they're like, oh, Dad, wow, you're an expert. No, I wasn't. I was just making making shit up. Um, yeah, will they ever be above 500, Abraham? Great question, mate. This is what I was talking about. They're just hovering around 500. It is crazy. I will say this. Speaking of that question – Okay. Uh, oh, I've got one more here too. There's best advice for player when you're in a slump. I'll get to that in a second. That's a good one. I like that one. So <clears throat> I should ask Grant Balfour that too because he's got – Grant Balfour was like a little mentor. Not a little. He was a big mentor to me. Um, and now I'm, I'm um, co-hosting a show with him. But he, Grant, Grant Balfour had the best advice for me when I was in a slump. I'll get to that in a second. And so do other coaches. But will they ever be above 500? Look, I don't know. <laughs> they just keep hovering around 500. It's crazy. I will say this. Trade deadline's coming up. For this team to be competitive, we know they have to add at the trade deadline. It's every single year. The big conversations will be happening during the All-Star break with that front office. You will start to hear a certain you, – you've got to read between the lines. If Jerry DePoto, because he speaks so publicly, is on radio every week, he's on TV every week, you know, he's all over the place. When you start hearing him talk about 
oh, you know, this team, if he starts like leaning towards beyond this year, if he starts leaning towards some of the young players, if he starts leaning towards uh, minor league depth, then you know, right, I'll translate that for you, that the team's not waving the white flag. They may add a little bit, but they're going to add controllable players, but they're not going to go hard to try and catch the Rangers or get close or get into that wild card um, conversation, period. This next couple weeks, I know they say this all the time, next couple weeks is crucial. So will they ever be above 500? I hope so because they're going to be above 500 if they're going to do something in the trade deadline, okay? Talk about Now, this is from Mike at, um, at Sokovic, Sokovic. I should know. Sorry, Mike, if I butchered that. Uh, talk about the best advice given to you as a player when you were in the slump. Uh, what, who, what, when? All right. So, best advice. Now, obviously not a slump because I'm not a hitter, but as a pitcher who – I was that guy who, like, would have a good stretch in my career, and all of a sudden I thought the world owed me everything. Like, I don't know what it was early in my career. So, 2009, coming off a 2008 year, I go on the IL, come, and I'm trying to come back from that. And I was pissed off because I wasn't getting back. I wasn't getting put back in the rotation. And there's a long story. I've probably said on the show before how I hit a guy in the head. I got suspended on a rehab assignment um, down in AAA. It was brutal. After that, the Mariners basically, I was, I was all over the place. In my head, I was a mess. And the advice about like, hey, you know, believe in yourself. Hey, like all this kind of, I'm not going to call it wishy-washy stuff, but sometimes it gets a little wishy-washy. I just had to be told like, listen, dude, Go out and effing shove. Go out and just get mad. Get angry. Get angry either. Get mad at yourself. This is how I responded. Not everyone just responds like this. I had Dave Wallace. Dave Wallace, who was the pitching coach for the Boston Red Sox when they won the 04 World Series. He was a minor league pitching coordinator. Awesome dude. Like I said, he went from the Red Sox and then he got to coordinate his job with the Mariners. So I love Dave. He was amazing because he'd been around some of these studs. And Dave but flat out just said to me, I said, Dave, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting screwed or like I'm not, I'm not getting blah, 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 blah. I'm not getting the, the, the royal treatment that I think. Not, I didn't say that. And he just says, he just said to me, he said, well, friggin' suck it up. That's what he said to me. He goes, suck it up. He goes, if you're good, go out and dominate. These next, these guys, whoever you're facing, I think it was like Sacramento. He goes, just make these guys look effing stupid go make them look stupid that's all you can do don't sit here and bitch and moan or go i've got to come up with a new pitch no no just go out and just friggin' throw fastballs in like you do throw that big breaking ball throw the shit out of it right you like how i say effing but then i say shit so um but he just flat out said stop being i'm not gonna say stop being a little bitch but just stop complaining or, or, or moping around, stick your freaking chest out and go fucking dominate. And I was like, damn, dude, all right, let's do it. And he goes, if you're pissed off with these coaches or you're pissed off with this, just go shove up their ass. Grant Balfour used to do the same thing, man. It was awesome. Sometimes I felt like I didn't belong in the big leagues. Grant was that dude who was just flat out like, fuck these guys. Like, yeah, who, 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 60 feet away. He, 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 like he would say stuff and it was him and, and, and this is kind of my mentality. It's like, all right, can I, this is going to sound ridiculous and you can roll your eyes if you're driving along or working out. But I'd look at people, you know how like when you sort of put your head down like that body language back and forth when you're walking past someone and the first person to drop their head, you know, this kind of stuff. I, I love the whole body language stuff. I dive into it pretty heavily. But Grant, <laughs> I remember Grant saying, and we talked about this once, he probably doesn't even remember but he's like, could you, like half these dudes, he, he, he rattled off a few names. He goes, could you, if you guys got into a fight, could you take him down and fight? I was like, yes, I could. He goes, well, that's it. 
That's <laughs> you're fighting them right now. You're throwing pitches like you're throwing punches, right? You're fighting these dudes, and you're gonna beat them. You're gonna beat the shit out of them. That's what he'd say. I was like, oh man, I like that. It worked for me, dude, because I look at some little skinny little shortstop, and I'm like, I could kick this guy's ass. And that's kind of the that's it. Just changed the tone as opposed to me sitting there going, oh man, this guy's been crushing the ball. Or if I throw this pitch, or no, 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 going with it with that fighter's mentality. I honestly think that was the best way to pull me out of some of these ruts. Uh, and then I lost some of that later on and got it back and et cetera, et cetera. You got to fight, man. You really got to fight. You got to, and you got to just absolutely get away from this, like worrying about, you know, all this other stuff about this, you know, uh, where's my head at or, or, you know, I get it, man. Like a lot of these, these pitches, they do the breathing stuff. I love all that, but you've just got to go out and just got to be a friggin' absolute animal. That's what you got to do. So anyway. All right, enough of that. Let I, I need to wrap this up. We've been going for way too long. Hopefully, you've stuck with me the whole time. But this has been a fun episode. I loved answering the questions. I should do this. This should just be a question-answering uh, episode. Now, enjoy the All-Star game, uh, which is coming up. I will be doing the High School All-American game. Hopefully, you can tune in for that. It's on MLB Network. Um, I'm excited about that. It'll be fun. Mariners are going to do better things in the second half. I just hope right before that All-Star break that they can pick it up. Get away from this 500 so that the, the front office can have some serious conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, please go review it. That helps. Go to manscaped.com, manscaped.com, put TTS. Even if you don't even need clippers, you, by the way, you're supporting the show if you do that because it's basically going to gauge our level of sponsorship. And the better sponsorship we have, the more money we can we can actually throw some money at this bad boy and, uh, and then we can make some really, really good in-person content and stuff like that. All right, guys, we'll see you later on in the week. If you've got any questions or comments, let us know. Make sure you subscribe to your mates. We'll see you later on, guys. Have a good one.